join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. This is actually a very fun time of year. To what I now affectionately call the Fall Trilogy. It's Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, right? Halloween, of course, is coming or traditionally or formerly known as All Hallows' Eve, which is the night before the Christian holy days of all saints, and all saints. So all three combined is a collage of harvest festivals, of costumes, music, dance, of sweet treats. It's a special time to honor and celebrate deceased loved ones and ancestors in faith. Yesterday was the very popular and well-attended Halloween parade. Today is Dia de los Muertos, that celebration, the longest standing celebration in the state of Colorado is right here in Longmont. And this morning we'll be celebrating All Saints. The early Christian tradition separated All Saints into uh, two celebrations, capital S and small s. Capital S are the canonized saints, the people went, that went through a formal process of being named saints. And then the smaller s, All Souls Day, that's us. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there aren't any saints. Well, I don't know. There are some faces I don't recognize. If you are a saint, I welcome you. I welcome you. But personally, I like to combine the two. I have a hard time with the separation because, because I think that it's just so true that there is no life that is without mess and contradiction. If you've ever read the lives of the capital S saints, you know this to be true. They were, um, they were probably fun in their day. <laughs> which is not a word you might think of with someone uh, with that kind of distinction. They got in trouble. They did some things that were beyond the fringes and on the edge. And so I think for all of us, life can be messy and contradictory, capital S, small s, and at times, some more than others, we betray the very justice and love we seek to embody. It's part of being human. We know that we sometimes fall short. And I think that's just normal. So you can go on and you can continue to separate the capital S and the small s, but I don't think I'm going to say that anymore. I'm just looking at all of us as the body of Christ. One body, one God, one call. And throughout these holy days, we're invited to draw upon the love and justice 
and community and faith that weaves us together as that one body, generation after generation, both past, present, and future. There are bittersweet gifts to these celebrations, and especially within the extra tender first two years following a death. There is a different way of understanding that comes into our mind and our hearts when someone dies. It's an unveiling or a revelation that adds new dimensions to our experience of life. Life feels different, words sound different, and the sharing of memories is different. You know this to be true, don't you? Remembering and celebrating those who have died is also a way of continuing the relationship. And that's important because the relationship doesn't end. Certainly changes, but it doesn't end. It's also an opportunity to begin a new relationship. You know that question that was very popular? Um, I don't know when it started being popular, but you know, if you could invite three people to dinner, any three people, who would you pick? How many of you would invite someone you don't know, but a historical figure that you'd love to know, or someone that, that maybe is alive now that you've never met? How many of you would do that? Yeah. So it's like a new relationship, and you, you could invite someone who's departed or alive, we're alive in a new way. And so that's a whole way of entering into a new relationship, isn't it? I read recently a prayer that someone wrote for all saints, and, and the words really took hold in my heart. She said, whisper softly in our direction about when you wanted to quit. That's not something I ever thought to ask somebody in life. It's a good question for people who are right beside us or at home. It's also a good question for those who have gone before us. Tell us when you got tired and when you weren't sure. What mattered most? What pursuits were worth, worth the cost? That would be an interesting dinner conversation, wouldn't it? The language of art and beauty comes to mind as we wonder and seek wisdom from those who have gone on before us with these questions. Because I think some have answered this question not always directly or with words. Perhaps you can hear their responses in quiet moments, or maybe in loud and jovial moments like at a party, with maybe even someone you just met who blurts out something that's like, whoa, I needed to hear that. And maybe even in the poetry and songs of scripture. The poetry and songs of scripture 
speak to us and paint a picture for us and sometimes clearly articulate for us the intimacy of holy relationships where God is known and named and near. That's what intimacy is, isn't it? To be known and named and near. This intimacy with God was the foundation of Jesus' life and ministry. This intimacy was also foundational to those who are considered saints. And what about us? What about us, saints? What is the foundational intimacy of our lives? You might have noticed I was writing during the hymn. I mean, I hope you didn't, because I hope you were singing, but I, I was captured by the verse that said, You, Christ, the hope that put their fears to flight. Mid gloom and doubt, you were their one true light. That's what intimacy with God sounds like in a song. I think we sometimes get confused, and I'll admit that I have been confused many times. And our confusion leads us to forget the possibility of intimacy with God. And if you are familiar with Scripture, there's a moment captured in Matthew's Gospel, the 22nd chapter, where those who were actively trying to discredit Jesus were setting him up with questions to test him. This is where it might sound familiar. A representative from a very powerful group that devoted their lives to the law of Scripture, the many laws of Scripture, and strived to live their lives in accordance with all of those laws, asked Jesus what the most or greatest, most important or greatest commandment was. Does that sound a little bit familiar? What's the greatest commandment? Do you remember how he answered? I heard somebody mumble it, I think. Yeah. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you knew the second part, for sure? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's gotten a lot of airtime, hasn't it? It's the second. The first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. They are connected. It's not an either-or question. It's a both-and. Both are essential, and Jesus articulated and lived this relational imperative. God and neighbor. And the root of the word neighbor is near dwellers. Because I'm like looking at that, God and neighbor. I'm like, okay, where's family? Who's family, right? But neighbor means near dwellers. So those are the ones under your roof also, right? Or on speed dial or in case of an emergency. Now, I know that some of you do have a relationship with God, one that you name, one that you speak openly about and speak freely about. Perhaps you have touchstones that point you back to God. 
I know someone was sharing the other day that it's trees for them. I just, there's something about touching a tree that reminds them that there's a God. Perhaps it's intentional time for a conversation or prayer. Some kind of intentional time together, like a meetup, right? <laughs> we meet up for other things. Do you ever do a meetup with God? You know, Jesus did it all the time. He went off to a secluded place. He went to a quiet place. Maybe you come here for that. Perhaps it's friends and family who have taught you the ways of love and the ways of God. If this is new for you, this possibility of having an intimate relationship with God, I want to invite you to start today. Maybe with a question. Or maybe if it's something, it, it used to be a thing, but now it's not a thing. It used to be a relationship, but you broke up or something, or had a fight. God, where are you? God, where are you in my life? That's a little bit more intimate, isn't it? Or set a time and a place to meet. doesn't have to be a long time. I've never heard of an experience where God doesn't show up. So just do it. You might even consider reading some of the songs or psalms and get a sense of where and how others have experienced and spoken to or about God. The psalms are filled with the messy and contradictory elements of life filled with it. I mean, you, I find a home there. I think you might too. You know, God smite my enemies, <laughs> or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Or the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Teach me your ways, O God, that I may walk in your path. or something entirely different. Find yourself in those songs or in a song that comes through one of your devices and let it lead you back to God. In light of all saints, it seems natural to turn to the 23rd Psalm. It's a prayer for the living. It's often recited during services of memorial. It's really not for the dead. Maybe it was their mantra. Maybe it was their go-to psalm. But it really is for the living. Psalm 23 is a love song. It speaks of this intimate relationship in a very beautiful way of a God who provides and leads and restores, a God who is present through all the seasons of life. To know that God is to be in an intimate relationship with that God. 
And it serves as an important reminder of what a relationship with God might be like. The very sustenance of providing, of having a place where we are led to that restores us, where we can catch our breath, as the message translation says. And a God who is with us, yea, though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, thou art with me. Isn't that what we want? Is to, I mean, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, the greatest gift is to know you're not alone. But throughout the, throughout the day, it can get a little confusing. It's like, I don't care if I'm alone. I just want things to be the way I want them to be. <laughs> I want to get what I want, when I want it, how I want it. If you haven't learned that life isn't like that yet, I, you're going to want to have some friends. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, the greatest gift is to know you're not alone. That's why Emmanuel, God with us, is such a gift. Scripture tells us that God tried other ways. We weren't getting it. It's an important reminder about what the relationship with God might be like, but it's also an important reminder of the God that when death is near and when death comes, it's this God that we commend our loved ones to. We commend them to this God in life, all throughout life, and at the end of life as we know it. I'll leave you with that because Sam is going to sing this love song for us. And let's see what the Spirit will do with your heart. <laughs>